come to you this morning so thankful Lord that you are unchanging you are always the same yesterday today and forever and Lord in that we can rest assured that the words that you have spoken the words that we have in the scriptures Lord that they are unchanging and untrue that they are the words of life the words of eternal life to us and Lord with these ancient words as they are said in this song would they ring true to us this morning Lord in every way that they are shared Lord, would you speak to us and grow us as we are refined in the fire more and more into your image. Lord, would you use the scriptures to do this in us today? I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My wife wants you all to stand. She doesn't like when everybody sits. So could you all please stand up? Yeah, it should be on. We need that to hear the kicker. Yeah, if you just aren't able, we'll know that, you know, life is catching up with you. If you can't stand, it's okay. Gets my own boys to stand once in a while. Thank <laughs> you. 
Well, I want to make sure they're just following Christ, not me, that's for sure, because if you're going to follow me in music, it's probably going to fail. You guys have no idea how far outside this my comfort zone this puts me, leading singing, but I've never had a very good rhythm. I'm good at following others, but not doing it on my own, so, and all of a sudden I have my wife and son up here, and they're trying to follow my rhythm, and it just doesn't work so well sometimes, but thanks for bearing with us on it all, but Hopefully you guys find the message 
in what we're singing. This will make sure that if you're here for the good, if you're here for good singing, then you're done with that, and you'll just start listening to the message because the singing will end. But <laughs> I'm glad that our worth is not only in what we own, like this song is going to say, but also in what we do. Um, our worth is in Jesus Christ and knowing Him and um, his redeeming power and his forgiveness and that's what our worth is um is in so yeah my worth is not in what i not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly words of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that Summer flowers fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light. But I will boast in. trust in him no other my soul is satisfied in him alone two wonders here that i confess my worth and my unworthiness my value fix my ransom paid at the cross Wellspring of my soul, I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was yesterday we listened to that testimony of Chad Williams, and we were at a prayer breakfast for those of you, just some background, but he was a Navy SEAL, and so interesting when God got a hold of his life, yeah, he told his stories about, you know, his SEAL training and all that, but I loved how that after he got saved, everything he looked at or everything he compared it to in his testimony was how it became Christ to him and how he took that training or how he took that aspect of this or that of how they were and switched it into what God was doing in his own life. And I don't know why I was comparing it to the uh, to Lot's wife. You know, she left when she got saved she could have done that very thing she could have in life in the future compared back and looked back and said but there was that and I don't want that and I don't but no she desired those things and she turned back in desire it wasn't in a rejection of those things it wasn't in a reflection of look what God has saved me from she looked back with a desire for Sodom and um as I was looking at it, that was actually going to be my children's lesson this morning with the kids is uh, Lot's wife, but or the story of Lot and his wife. But um, I just had to think about that. And the reason I was even thinking about that story is I heard a, I don't know why I heard this, but there was two little boys that were talking and they were discussing different things. And the one little boy was really serious and he was telling the other little boy that, you know, Lot's wife, she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. And the other little boy didn't want to be outdone, and he told his he told him he told the other little boy he said, "Yeah, my my brother and I were fighting, and my mom looked back and turned into a tree." <laughs> but what are we looking back for? <laughs> Sorry, that was so off the wall. But um, what are we looking back for for Christ, or are we looking back at what we desire in this world? Oh, praise the name. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wound, his hands, his feet, my Savior. Son of heaven rose again. 
in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will ride among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, praise the can come forward. You got to get that on there. Don't drop that thing. You don't want to drop that one. That thing is actually real, real, because Brandon was up here playing it a little earlier. He had it plugged in, and it was working just fine. All right. You guys ready to sing? I'm going to stand over here where I got a mic so I don't have to put a thing on. Is that okay? Can you guys put up with me being this far away from you? Yes. Okay. Yes, so I can hear you. Huh? The camera can zoom out. Well, then too bad. Um, it can zoom in on the kids. Um, all right. So I'm going to sing. We were practicing a few songs last night because I'm still trying to get Brandon and me on the same page with children's songs, too, if you haven't figured that out yet. Um so we're going to sing, yes, we can do that one. You want to do that one? Do you want to see this whole church turn Pentecostal and you want them all to do it too? We could be like slain in the spirit and they all fall down. We'll have them do a few other songs. All right. So cast your burdens. Cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 higher. Unto Jesus, for He cares for you. Cast your burden unto Jesus, 
Do you think they can all stand up and do God's Not Dead? Okay, everybody stand up. You want to do leaning on the Lord's side then? Okay. Let's see if they can actually prove to everyone here that they believe God is not dead. God's not dead, no, He is alive. God's not dead, no. God's not dead, no, He is alive. I feel Him in my hand, feel Him in my feet, feel Him in my heart, thump, thump. feel Him in my soul, Woo! feel Him all over me. Feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, feel him all over me. Okay, I've got the joy, joy, joy yet? I must say, I mean, if, if, you know, if I was watching my brother Isaiah back there, Isaiah, Isaiah? Yeah, it's Isaiah, right? I mean, he's standing there with his hands in his pockets, just nothing. Elias? Why did I say it? Is it Elias or I? Isaiah? I thought it was Isaiah. Oh, no, I'm not. He, he was jumping around. I was going to say that's a different. Okay. All right. So you might want to point at him if he's not, you know. Elias, right? You can point at your brother. You're too nice. <laughs> All right. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Do um, you guys want to say where first or you want to sing first? Okay. You guys are going to say where? D. I've... I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stand. I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of
hold up. I got to teach Brandon a few keys. This is G. This is C. This is D. Okay. Now you know where my fingers are and you can figure out where you're going. All right. You guys ready? Okay. Quiet now. Don't sing. I've got the wonderful love of my best friend in the way down in the depths of my heart. Sing, okay, hold up. We gotta sing we're happy birthday yet. So who's up here? It'll get there eventually. Okay. This is not my turn to fail for once this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, well, I wanted to point you guys could all sit down if you want. I wanted to point it out quick just because Anthony was so happy to share a testimony on my failings. <laughs> I think you missed the point. Oh, okay. You are special numbers. <laughs> 6, 24, and 26. Which ones are you? Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Linda, Don, Linda, and Phil. So let me guess. The two Lindas are older than Phil. So how, how old are Linda? Are both Lindas here? I'm trying to remember which ones are Linda. Oh, Linda's there. How old are you, Linda? 75. Wow. Okay, where's the other Linda? Not here. Not here. Okay, Don? Huh? Oh, that's oh, okay. And we all and and Phil's 51 years young. So And I was, I was in a meeting with him yesterday, and I can tell he's getting older. He drank coffee, and then he'd run off. And then he'd drink coffee, and then he'd run off. So, yeah. See? Happy birthday. Should have been practiced. You guys want to sit down or stand up? Okay. Shoo. Okay. So, I'm going to read you a little bit longer version of this story than what's in this book. 
Do you guys all have a Bible like this? You do? Do you? Okay. Do you enjoy it? You say, oh, you lost it? Oh. oh, boy. Well, if you absolutely lost it and you cannot find it, come and see me because I have plenty more. Okay, so these are just some of the pictures. This page, it'd be this page here. And this page. And this page, I believe, are the three pages. So it's just some pictures. I just thought you guys might enjoy seeing the pictures. Okay, can somebody hold that open? There you go. All right, do you know who Lot, uh, do you know who Lot's wife was? You know what happened to her? You weren't listening this morning when I was talking? Huh? She turned into a pillar of salt? You know, I, I, I assume the wildlife really enjoyed that. You know, the wildlife, we used to, I used to hunt deer, and we would stick... Uh, blocks of salt out in the field, then the deer would come and lick it, then we'd shoot them. That wasn't very nice of us, was it? Okay. Um, okay. And this was all, I didn't know I was going to have a children's lesson until not long ago. So Abraham, you remember who Abraham was, right? Okay, so Abraham, the Lord visited Abraham and told Abraham that Sarah was going to have a child and that he was going to have a son. And then he told him that they were on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And do you know what Abraham did? You don't know? Did you know Sodom and Gomorrah were very, very wicked? Yeah, really wicked, like very terrible places, just filled with evil and sin. So God was going to destroy them because they were so evil. So Abraham, he pled and he pled with the Lord multiple times, and he asked the Lord if they, if God would find ten. You can all count to ten, right? That's five, right? That's ten. That's ten. This is two. Um. So ten. God would find ten righteous men, ten good men in Sodom and Gomorrah. God said he wouldn't destroy the city. So they went in, and this is the story of that. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servants to my house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a great feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, all of the people of Sodom apparently, surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, Where are these men who came to you tonight? Bring them out, for that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, and he shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let, them, let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, these fellow, This fellow came to sojourn, and he, had, and, 
and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out, so the two angels reached out with their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness. Did you know that? Struck with blindness. Have you ever been blind? You ever put a blindfold on? You never swung at a pinata? How many times did you hit it? <laughs> it's pretty hard, isn't it? Why is it so hard? Because you can't see. Exactly. So the Lord struck them with blindness. The men at the entrance of the house, both great and small, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. They couldn't find the door anymore. It's kind of hard to attack a door if you can't find it. <laughs> then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy this city. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he, but he seemed to his son-in-laws to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest she be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So how many, how many went out of the city? Did you count? Are you counting in the picture? Well, yeah, with the two men, it would have been two, yeah, it would have been six. So it was Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, right? And then the two angels. So it would have been six. You're right. But how many did God say he wouldn't destroy the city for? Ten. You're right. So did they, how many did they find? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, found four. They, were, they, needed, they needed six more righteous people yet. They only found four in the whole city to save. Um, okay, so the men seized Lot and his wife and his daughters, and they took them outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me, and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one, and my life will be saved? He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. Okay, you guys ready? It's going to be about Lot's wife now. What happens to her? Do you find it? What's that? Okay, listen. The sun had risen on the north when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife be behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. 
Do you think that's what you want to do? You want to become a pillar of salt? Nah, it'd be pretty terrible. So God destroyed the wickedness. But what did you hear what I was saying this morning to the others? We don't want to look back. So is there anything in your life that you look back on that you did that you knew was probably not good? And then you look back and wish you could go do it again? Hmm. You ever steal a cookie? No. No? Oh, when you were little, okay. <laughs> Glad you could get that out um, now that you can confess that. Um, you guys never did anything terrible in your lives? I mean, you don't have to tell me. But you think about that. Now what the, now where, the, where the problem would be, where the sin would be, is to look back and want to do it again. But if we, if we see the sin for what it is, we see what was wrong, we don't want to do it again. We want to turn away from that and we want to look to God. We don't want to become just a pillar of salt. Not that God's going to like figuratively turn you into a pillar of salt, but we can spiritually become that. Okay? You guys all done whispering? A lot to catch up on. You were getting ready to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Thank you for your attention. You can go back. fun facts, as my boys like to say, about Sodom and Gomorrah. Does anyone know why the Lord actually destroyed the city? Hmm? Why? Nope. Yes. Ezekiel chapter 16 says this. Verse 49. Behold, this was the guilt of of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty and committed abominations. That was a part of it, but it was the last thing the Lord mentioned. Therefore, I removed them from the earth when I saw it. What took them to their abominations? The three things that Jesus said will be on the earth when he comes back. Jesus said in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. In what context did he say that? Can someone tell me? What was he talking about? No. What? What was he talking about when he said those words? Someone remember. He was talking about his second coming. In verse 26 of Luke 17, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, 
They were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. What were they doing? They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, and they were building. Well, that sounds like pretty normal life to me, doesn't it? To you? That's the problem. God is not happy with normal living. It leads us to abominations. The Christian is not to be living or subject to normal life. We are to be living for Christ. Sure, we do all these normal things, but that's not our life. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let not the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house go back for them. See where your heart is? Calamity! What are you going to do? Run for your wallet? Run for your phone? Oh, I, what, do, what are you going to take with you? Jesus said, that's where your heart is revealed. Don't do that. Don't go for anything. Don't go back. If you're on the housetop and whose goods are in the house, go down and take them away. And likewise, let not the one who is in the field turn back. Remember Lot's wife. See the context? Fun fact. Well, this morning, um, we're blessed. And the first blessing I want to share with you is Brother Dwayne. Um, many of you know he's been uh, struggling uh, health-wise, and he's needed a new liver. And uh, a few weeks ago, we as a ministry team prayed over him and anointed him with oil and asked the Lord for a miracle to be done. And he got it. Quickly this past week, he got a phone call and they said, be down here in 24 hours. We have a liver for you. It was a miracle. He was not on the top of the list, but they found like a perfect match. And so he's down there. He had surgery uh, two days ago, right? Not yesterday, the day before, the 28th. And we went down last night to see him. And he said, please show this photo to everyone. And then the next photo. Go ahead and show the next photo. Uh, we went down there and he's, in, he's, in, he's doing very well. And he's rejoicing in the Lord. He's humbled and blessed that God has had mercy on his life. And he's also really humbled because his liver came from somebody who is not on the earth anymore is now in eternity and the family donated that organ and gave him a new lease on life and this is what he wanted me to read to you by the way thank you for your prayers I can't believe how good I feel for going through a serious surgery much thank you for all your support and love God's grace is very powerful. 
Today they plan to have me sitting up and plan to start eating. Tell everyone at church today that the grace of God is at work on everyone. I wish I could be at church today as I really miss everyone. Goodbye and later, Dwayne. His surgery was to be 10 hours. It only lasted eight hours. And he is live streamed today, so I just invite you to turn around and just wave to the camera. And Dwayne, we love you. We're rooting for you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And praying that you'll have a quick recovery. Also, if you would like to go see him, he invites you to come and see him. Let me know, and I'll give you his number. And then text him before you go so he can be prepared for you or make sure that it's, it's, a, it's a good time. Um, but the visiting hours there, uh, he's already moved out of ICU last night just before we got there. And so the visiting hours are from 10 to 10, so a big window of time. And he would love to have some of us come. And I want to say this, especially us as a ministry team. He said, please come. And, uh, and pray with him and rejoice with him. Encourage him with the word. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word and the power of your divine grace in each of our lives. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with God that he may be feared. And I thank you for that truth in every one of our lives. And I pray that your grace would be strong in each of our hearts, lives, as we yield our lives to you and submit to your word and honor you and surrender our, our whole life body, soul, and spirit to you. Thank you for your loving kindness in our brother Dwayne's life. Bless him today, I pray. Raise him up. Give him your grace and strength each day and heal him with your divine healing, Lord. And as he walks through this healing process, I pray you would encourage him, his inner man, with strength and with your word and with your, your Holy Spirit comforting him and, and giving him this, this beautiful new life that you have still yet for him to live with you here on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a brother here that I shared with you, Kent. He is down at the hospital in Denver at the um, University Hospital. Right beside Children's. Yep, right beside Children's Hospital. And I'll give you the address if you want to go and see him. I'll give you his number and, and the address. They had the surgery down there. Also, just a quick announcement um, before I introduce our brother Dave uh, Osborne. Um, so as I shared last Sunday, uh, we're not planning to have the breaking of bread in communion this Sunday. Rather, it'll be next Sunday. We changed it uh, as a ministry team. We felt the Lord leading us uh, to celebrating this every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. We plan to do it. And we'll still have a fellowship meal together every first Sunday, but we'll break bread together and celebrate and proclaim his death and resurrection every first Sunday of the month. 
So rather than doing it every fifth Sunday, only four times a year, we'd like to do it every first Sunday of the month, 12 times a year. So this is the fifth Sunday. We'll continue to not have a fellowship meal every fifth Sunday. So four times a year, we don't have a fellowship meal together like we normally do to just give time and opportunity for each of the families to kind of invite each other to your homes and to bless each other in in a different way and to give the cooks a little bit of a break. So just wanted to clarify that for everybody today. um, If you came hungry... um, well, there's lots of food around us. And maybe you can just knock on somebody's door and say, can I come over for lunch? That's okay. Uh, but the Lord bless you, and I wanted to clarify that. Brother Dave, would you come forward? And Brother Eli, would you come up? Because you know Dave well, and this is Christy's uncle, by the way. And I'm going to also ask you as a minister team to come up. And let's just pray over our brother. He is a missionary to Iraq. Can I introduce you just a little bit? Um, he's been a... a, a a single man serving the Lord with his life um, up until now, and he has spent 13 years in Africa at a uh, at a at a boys' home. Was it? Uh, transition center. Transition center there, um, and ministering to Muslims and others. And he can clarify this. But now he's also has been serving as a missionary in northern Iraq, um, and so. I'm blessed to have him come share the word with us. He leaves on Tuesday to go back home to Iraq. And uh, I'm just glad it worked out that he can come and share the word with us. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this man. We thank you for what you have done in his heart and what you're still doing. We just praise you, Lord, for your mercy on, upon him. And we just ask for your blessing. Please use him today. To speak your word, whatever is in your heart, God, just let him know today so he can share with us what's in your heart. Thank you for the opportunity of being together. Thank you, God, for Uncle David. I just ask you a blessing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for David, Lord, his willingness, Lord, to share Jesus. That name that is above every name, the name that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, that Jesus is Lord for your glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those people in Iraq that are able to hear the word through Dave. I pray you would bless his his word, Lord, wherever he goes. And keep him safe, Lord, from all the evil around there, Lord, in that country. Pray that you would be lifted up through Dave, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, I thank you for my brother, and I thank you, Father, for the way you minister through your children and how you you choose to, to use us in so many various different ways, but we are humbled that you choose us humans, flesh and blood, to spread your word. I thank you for my brother and, and his willingness to follow you. Amen, Lord to the other side of the world and to live there and to minister there. And I pray, Father, that you would pour out a special blessing on his life for the sacrifices that he has made, but most of all that you would continue to give him grace as he ministers your word wherever you send him. And I pray a special blessing on him today as he shares your word here that your spirit would be on him and that we would be blessed and encouraged by your word today. In Jesus' name. 
Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, it's just amazing how you work in your children's lives and Lord, and how you bring your people all across this world and how you work in such various ways. And I just thank you for the privilege of having Brother Dave here. I don't know him, but Lord, I I sense that spirit in you, Father. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would give him an open heart and give him words to speak, Father. And I just thank you that um, he could be here in our midst. Mm -hmm. And Lord, the I'm sure that you've taken him out of his comfort zone, and also just pray that you do that for all of us, and Lord, that we can be bold in Amen. for you, Father, Amen. and to be share your word. So, Lord, I just uh, commend this brother into your care, Father. Amen. Amen, Father. Thank you for our dear brother Dave. Would you anoint him with your Holy Spirit and use him as a vessel to pour forth your life and your living word and speak into the deepest needs of our hearts so that you are glorified and we're transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's a privilege for me to be here. I woke up this morning and said, thank you, Jesus, that I get to share one more time before I go home on Tuesday. You ever see these uh, marquees out in front of churches, you know, where they have a sign that says something? There was one at the Creek Baptist Church. It said, uh, having trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. (laughs) So I hope that's not true this morning. (laughs) There was another one from the Glaze Hill Road Baptist Church. It said, whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> little, uh. well, I was in Iraq before I came home. I came home because a couple of my brother's kids were getting married, and I was asking God uh, if this is the last time that I get to go home. Um, and I don't say that because I, I live in the northern Iraq. I feel very safe. And I've traveled to southern Iraq, and people have really warned me, oh, be careful when you go here. You know, the taxi drivers are going to kidnap you and hold you for ransom. And, and I'll, everywhere I go, I just meet nice people for the most part. And so I've been very safe. And I told a brother earlier, if I run into certain people, I may have a little trouble. But so far, it's been great, and God has blessed me. But I was asking him, this is the last chance that I get to share with people in America. What would you want me to share with them? And I felt like he gave me four things. Number one, love me. Number two, be with me. Number three, believe me. And number four, imitate me. Can you say it after me? Love me. Be with me. Believe me. Imitate me. If you don't remember anything else, remember number one, love me. It was maybe more than 20 years ago, I was listening to a message by a guy named Jack Deere, and he was talking about the prayer Jesus prayed before he left uh, to go back and be to the fa- with the Father in John chapter 17. 
John chapter 17, verse 26. Jesus is praying. He says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And he was saying that the, that the love that the Father has for Jesus would be in them, in you and me. I, I think about that. Jesus is asking the Father that the way the Father loves Jesus, that we would love Jesus the way the Father loves Jesus. Does that sound impossible to anybody? <laughs> like, who of us can do that? He said, what if we spent the rest of our lives saying, Father, if you don't do anything else in my life, I've got to love the Lord Jesus the way that you love your Son. Would you please impart to me a love for the Lord Jesus that you have? I think that's a worthy prayer. Father, I've got to love the Lord Jesus the way that you love your son. Would you please give me that kind of love? I can't work it up. I can't get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to love Jesus the way that the Father loves Jesus, man. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but if the Father imparts that love to me through his spirit, do you think that Jesus prays impossible prayers? Probably not. So if he's asking the Father that for us, then it's probably possible for him to give us that kind of love. What does it look like to love Jesus? When I accept Jesus, I was a little boy. I went to a crusade, and the preacher was talking about hell, and I didn't want to go to hell. So I went home, and I asked my mom, Mom, am I a Christian? And she said, I don't know. And so I wanted to become one. So I received Jesus into my heart because I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. That's a great reason to follow Jesus because going to hell is going to be the most terrible thing that anybody will ever experience. But do you know that Jesus saved us for so much more than to just not go to hell? So sometimes we come to Jesus because of what he can do for us. But at that point in my life, it wasn't like Jesus, man, you gave your life for me. Jesus, I'm here. I'm giving my life for you. Jesus, you can take my life. You can take me anywhere. You can spin me like loose chains. Jesus, I belong to, to you. My life is no longer my own. I think that's what it means to love Jesus, that we're actually loving him for him. So I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've, ever, if you've ever said, Jesus, you gave your life for me, and so today I'm giving my life to you. You can take me anywhere. You can take me to Iraq. You can take me to Iran. You can take me to Syria. You can take me to North Korea. You can take me to Saudi Arabia. Or you could take me to Walmart. <laughs> Jesus, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. We uh, celebrated one of my niece's weddings, uh, was it last weekend? <laughs> I just was in Washington for the wedding. I flew to Columbus for a conference. I just got back last night. So we're celebrating Katie's wedding, and uh, early in the morning, 
uh, we find out that uh, my niece Karen, that her baby, there was no life in her baby, tw 25 weeks uh, pregnant. So we get this hit, hit by this right, right before the wedding. And so, so what do you do? You know, uh, like we've got this weekend to celebrate. Uh, we're at this beautiful retreat center, and, and we get this news. So what they decided to do is they called, you know, the people that are going to be part of the wedding together for a time to just share that with them, uh, to spend time in worship and in prayer. Oh, man, <laughs> if you could see, what well, it was Karen, what, 22, 22 years old. Her husband's got his arms wrapped around her, and Karen's got her hand in the air, worshiping Jesus in her tears. She loves Jesus. You get news like that, you know, some people, oh, God, how could you do this to me? Oh, God, don't you love me? Not if you love Jesus. If your life is surrendered, you know, there's no bad days. There's just opportunities to shine. And we all go through losses. We all experience horrible things in our lives. And so we have a choice to make. Am I going to love Jesus? Am I going to let him shine through my life? And they are just doing a beautiful job of letting Jesus shine. And we prayed for resurrection. You know, we prayed that God would do a miracle and bring that little baby to life. Ezekiel David Hartman come to life in the name of Jesus. We haven't seen that yet. We're still praying for it. You may think that's crazy, but I think Jesus is who Jesus is, and he's always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. So love me. And then he says, be with me. You turn over to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. It's interesting the order that he calls them that they might be with him and then sent them out to preach. A lot of us that are in ministry, if we're not careful, we can get our identity out of what we're doing for Jesus instead of the fact that we belong to him and that we've been with him. So hopefully our ministry comes out of our intimacy with Jesus, the fact that we've been with him and that his life shines through us when we're representing him to the world. If you look at my Bible, I don't know if you can see it. It's pretty beat up. I've replaced this tape I don't know how many times. I had it sewn together to hold it together. I used to carry it in my day pack when I was at Kenya riding my bicycle. And so it's pretty beat up. And I've spent a lot of time uh, in this book. And I'm, I'm not proud to say this, but a lot of times... I was with the book, but I wasn't with him. See, I had my quiet time. I, I did what I'm supposed to do, you know, as a good Christian. I was with the book, uh, but...
but I, but I wasn't with him. And I just, I just really want to be with him more and more. I don't just want to read something. I, I want to connect with his heart. He's my father. I'm his son. I, I want to wake up as a son knowing that I'm loved, not that I have to try to do something to please him or to try to be a good Christian, but I want to wake up in love and let him love me and let him show me what it means for him to father me and what it means for me to be a son. So I want to be with him. And so I, I just sometimes I just get my guitar and, and I go into times of worship. Uh, sometimes I'll be reading the word and, and I'll just interact and I'll ask a question or I'll, I'll move into praise and worship just to be with him to build that relationship with him because he loves me. I know there's a lot of people that, that they've never really, really experienced the love of the Father. And maybe they've been a, long, a Christian for a long time. And if that's you and you've never experienced his love, you just begin to cry out, Father, I really want to experience your heart. I want to experience your love. I just don't want to read a book. I want to connect with your heart. So, love me, uh, be with me. He says, believe me. Uh, John chapter 14. Now, I grew up in a good, Bible-believing, evangelical, missions-minded church. Uh, I remember when the missionaries would come back and tell stories. And I went to a Bible-believing, evangelical, missions-minded college. Good school. Okay? We had to go to chapel every day while I was in college, uh, five days a week. And we had some of the best speakers uh, from around the world that would come to speak us, to us in chapel. And at that school, I was taught... Uh, by a great guy, good guy, good, great teacher, one of my favorite teachers, he taught the doctrine of cessationism, that there's some things that Jesus is no longer doing today, that those supernatural things passed away during the time of Jesus and the apostles. Great guy, great teacher, but just probably had been taught that by somebody else that was a great teacher, that somebody else had been taught that by somebody that was a great teacher, but it's not rooted in the Word. Okay. So Jesus says in John chapter 14, uh, verse 11 and 12, Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Does that sound a little crazy? Does that sound like that's an easy thing to believe? That if you have faith in me, you're going to do what I'm, I'm doing, and you're going to even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Does that sound easy to anybody? Like, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Who can do that? Nobody can do that. But I think Jesus can. And where does Jesus live? In you, in you, in you, in you. 
Yeah. What if we believe that? What if we actually believe Jesus, that he actually means what he says? So I tell you, some of the things in this book are a little over the top, man. It's like you read them and you go, really? And so what, what, what has happened throughout years is people try to dumb down this book to meet their experience. Well, what he probably meant is like, you know, Billy Graham and, and the evangelism to the, mass, to the masses. And uh, they just come up with different ideas. But in the context, it's very clear that Jesus is talking about the miraculous things he was doing. So what if we really believe Jesus, that the crazy things that sound crazy to us in his book here are true, that he means them, and that we could really press in to them? So love me, be with me, believe me, and then imitate me. First uh, John chapter 2, First John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> but this is, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Must walk as Jesus did. So kind of in our minds sometimes we kind of do this. Well, whoever wants to live in him must, must walk kind of sort of like he did. Just must try to, to kind of walk like he did just try to make it a little a little bit easier not just must walk as Jesus did you, you, you ever look at your life and you go wow man, that's not happening how many of you feel like oh yeah man I walk like Jesus do how many of you feel like you have enough faith oh yeah at this point in my life I have enough faith I'm satisfied with the faith that I have anybody want to raise their hand don't, don't we all just say, wow, man, I just need more faith. Oh, man, I want to be more like Jesus. And We've got great songs about being more like Jesus. I looked up on the Internet, and you can find like 25 verses to be more like Jesus or 43 verses to be more like Jesus. Can, can somebody quote one for me or look one up real quick? Yeah. Okay, but, but where does it say to be more like Jesus? That's a good verse. Pardon? Okay, but that's as I love you, not like try to love one another more like. Yeah. Uh-huh. But where does it actually say a verse that says... I mean, that's a great verse too, but where does it actually say to be more like Jesus? They give you 25 verses, 43 verses to be more like Jesus, and you read the verses and not one of them says to be more like Jesus. Be like Jesus. But don't you just wish it said be more like him? 
Well, that's a lot easier. I, I could be a little bit more patient. You know, I could be a little bit more kind. You know, when Phil offends me, you know, I'll, I'll try to forgive him, you know, because I'm supposed to. I'm a Christian. Uh, I try to be a little bit more like Jesus. But we're called to be like him. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But then we look at our lives and say, wow, I'm just, I, I lack so much. And I don't know how many of you have been down the condemnation road. I've been down that one. I could write a book on that one. Oh, man, I can't believe I did that again. Oh, what kind of a Christian am I? Oh, man, God, forgive me. Oh, been down that road? The Bible tells me there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So I wonder who it is that wants me to feel condemned. Probably not the Holy Spirit. So when we walk into condemnation, we're probably listening to a lying spirit that doesn't want us to realize you've been given the righteousness of Jesus. You're clean. You're washed. You're forgiven. Nothing from your past defines you. Nothing anybody did to you and nothing that you've done defines you. Only your Father. And Jesus has washed you with his blood and you're clean and you're forgiven. So you wake up loved. You wake up forgiven. You wake up clean. You wake up with his righteousness every day. Man, I tell you, there's no better gift than that. So what if when we missed the boat, we started saying, Father, I thank you that that's not who I am. I thank you that I forgot who I am. I thank you that you've given me your righteousness. Yeah, I did sin. I confess that. I admit it. But I thank you that I'm not condemned. I thank you that I stand before you clean and righteous. And we just don't allow the enemy to take us down that condemnation road anymore. So, brother mentioned John 13:34, love one another as I've loved you. How many of you think that's easy? Oh yeah. Just just love like Jesus did. Does it sound like crazy, like impossible? I can't do it. That's right. We can't do it. But do you think Jesus in you can? You think Jesus in you can love the person that hurt you the worst? He tells us to forgive the way that God has forgiven us. There's another easy one, huh? Yeah. See, what about the, the most horrible thing you can think of that has happened to you? And you think, I'm supposed to forgive the way that God forgave me. How can I do that? It can only happen if I realize how much I've been forgiven for. If I realize that I stand with his righteousness and whoever did this to me, whatever they said, whatever they did, whatever they didn't do, whatever they didn't say, they would never have done that if they really knew who they were in Jesus. <coughs> they would never have done that. And it doesn't define me. Nobody gets to tell me who I am except my Father in heaven. So the person that abused me, whatever she did or whatever he did, doesn't define me. Only my Father in heaven gets to tell me who I am. There's a guy I like to listen to on YouTube. His name is Dan Moeller, M-O-H-L-E-R. If you don't want to be challenged, don't listen to him. 
This guy loves Jesus. He eats Jesus. He sleeps Jesus. He walks Jesus. Everything is Jesus about this man. Somebody sent me a link uh, uh, from him. It was called Becoming Love. And I listened to it, and I liked a lot of the things he said, but I didn't like his delivery. Sometimes he gets kind of loud, and I just kind of like mellow, mellow teachers, you know. And uh, sometimes he just kind of seems like he's kind of goofy because he's so in love with Jesus, his, his joy just kind of... So if you're going to listen to him, I, I would just say, I'm going to listen to five or six talks before I decide whether I like him or not because he'll grow on you. But this man is a man who doesn't take offense. And when they led Isaiah 53, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a, as, how does it go? As a lamb before, as a sheep before a shear is a silence, so he did not open his mouth. Well, I tell people, I have an honorary doctorate in taking offense, man. I am really good at it. You offend me, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to tell you something about it. I've had a terrible time with that. But my teacher was a man that didn't take offense. And this Dan Moeller spends so much time with Jesus in the quiet place, allowing Jesus to transform his heart and his mind so that he wakes up in the morning and he says stuff like, I didn't wake up for you to love me. I woke up to love you. He says things like, what if we just changed one thing? What if we said, nobody owes me anything? How would that change your relationships? Nobody owes me anything. I'm created to love. Nobody has to do anything for me. People let me down. It's because they don't know who they are an opportunity for Jesus to shine through me. So it's impossible stuff, right? How do you live without taking offense unless Jesus is doing that through you? And nobody's defining you. Nobody owes you anything. And so you immediately make a choice to forgive. Have you ever made a decision, Jesus, no matter what happens to me, no matter how many times they do it, you're my teacher. You modeled forgiveness. I'm going to choose to forgive. Whoever offends me, I'm going to immediately go to the cross. I'm going to run to the cross. I'm going to choose to forgive. While I'm still angry, while I'm still hurt, Jesus, I'm going to stand with you at the cross. I'm not going to align myself with the accuser of the brethren. I've done that about a million times, you know. I can't believe what he did. Guy calls himself a Christian. I would never do that. And the enemy has just sucked me in. And now I'm aligning myself with the accuser of the brethren. And I'm just like him. And I'm in self-righteousness thinking that I'm better than the person that hurt me. I don't want to be there anymore for one second. I've done it so many times. I want to embrace Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that I'm washed with your blood. And this person, whatever they did, they don't know who they are. And so you begin to pray for them and intercede. Now, Satan just tried to separate you from your intimacy in Christ, get you to move into self-righteousness and align with him. And now you've just 
trampled on his head because you're praying for this one that offended you and hurt you. You're aligning with Jesus and what Satan meant to try to separate you. Now you're just stomping on him. And you're letting the love of Jesus flow through you to the one that hurts you the worst. You've never made that decision, say, Jesus. Today I'm making a decision. Whenever I'm hurt, I'm running to the cross. I'm going to forgive immediately. And I'm not going to deny that I'm angry. I'm not going to deny that I'm hurt. I'm going to come before you. I'm going to seek healing. If I have to, I'll go talk to somebody else. I'll get counsel. I'll get prayer ministry for the healing of the pain inside of me and the anger that I'm feeling. But Jesus, I'm going to stand with you at the cross because I want to be like you. I don't want to just be more like you and kind of like, well, sometimes I'll forgive. Well, after seven years, maybe I'll forgive. Maybe when I feel like it, I'll forgive. (laughs) No, Jesus, I want your heart for people. I want your love for people. People that don't know what they're doing, people that don't know who they are, surely want to be like you, Jesus. If you look at Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody um, like in a wheelchair and I've walked by them because I have this thought, oh, that's a hard one. I've seen Jesus heal so many headaches and backaches and knee pains and different things, but I still get this thought if I see somebody in a wheelchair or something, that's a hard one. Do you think that's a Jesus thought? Probably not probably not harder for him to heal somebody in a wheelchair than it is for him to heal a headache. I'm just guessing. So that's not a Jesus thought, but I've caved into it several times. Have you ever prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? Yeah, I've done that lots of times. The church that I grew up in, we interceded for people. Uh, We didn't lay hands on people. I wasn't taught that I had authority uh, in Jesus. And so, fortunately, I've I've taken the opportunity to learn from people um, that have seen Jesus do more than I have. I heard somebody say, uh, you probably wouldn't take your doctrine on salvation from somebody who wasn't saved. So why would you take your theology about healing from somebody who's never seen Jesus heal anybody? 
So I, I read, I listen. I just went to a conference where people have seen deaf ears open, blind eyes see, the dead raised, metal turned to bone. I, you name it, man. <laughs> Jesus is awesome. And uh, so I take advantage and, and learn from people. And what they say is that if you read, and you can do this, I've done this, read through the Gospels and the Apostles, when it comes to healing, you'll never find an example where somebody says, oh God, would you please heal John? He's done so much for you. Uh, would you just please come and touch him and heal him? It doesn't happen when it, when it comes to healing. In the, in the New Testament, when it comes to healing, there's an action taken or there's a word spoken. There's authority that is used. And you and I have been given authority. So what I've been taught, if somebody has pain, like I walked in, I saw Maria. She was pushing this thing, and I said, what's going on? And she said, I broke my femur, and she still had pain. So I said, in the name of Jesus, femur be healed, all the pain go. Is there any pain? No. No pain. Thank you, Jesus. So if that pain tries to come back, sometimes things try to sneak back. Say, Jesus, this pain is not mine. You touched me. You healed me in Jesus' name. Now, there are other times I do that and nothing happens. What I've been taught is that you ask if you can pray again. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked somebody if I can pray for them. Nothing happens. I ask, can I pray again? I pray again. Nothing happens. I pray. Things start to move. Things start to change. So there's a guy named John Wimber. He said you spell faith R-I-S-K. Taking a risk. Okay. So what happens when we take risk? Well, what if they don't get healed? What if nothing happens? They're going to think I'm stupid. You know, people around are watching. People are going to laugh at me. Uh, it's going to give God a bad reputation. We have all these thoughts that come into us when we start to take a risk for Jesus. I've been sitting next to somebody on a plane, and I want to I share Jesus with them. And I have this fear like, well, what if the person on the other side uh, hears? You know, what are they going to think? Like, I just met the person sitting next to me, you know, and I'm afraid of what this person over here is going to think of me. The enemy has been kicking my, I'll say, tail <laughs> for years. And this guy named Robbie Dawkins helped me so much. He said, when you feel fear, uh, when you step, want to step out and do something for Jesus, it's not your fear. Wow. Here, all, all, all this time I've been thinking, oh, I'm insecure. I'm afraid of what people think of me. Uh, I don't want people to laugh at me or, or whatever. And the enemy's just been throwing it fear at me because he's scared to death of Jesus in you. He's scared to death of what's going to happen if you take a risk when you're at Walmart, you're at the grocery store, you're walking down the sidewalk, and you take a risk to reach out and touch somebody and love them in the name of Jesus. Now, even if I didn't believe that Jesus healed... 
and I see somebody walking with a walker in a, in a wheelchair, wouldn't the compassion of Jesus just move me to where I'd want to say, hey, hey, what happened? Uh, what's going on? Are, are you in pain? And, and just care about the person, you know? But like I told you before, I, I've just walked by so many times, and, uh, and now when I do that, the Holy Spirit con- convicts me you know, it's like I was at an airport. I don't know if it was Denver, Ohio. I saw somebody walking with a bad limp, and it's like, oh, that looks like a hard one. You know, not a Jesus thought. I just keep walking, and I, oh, Holy Spirit, I just can't think like that. That's not Jesus thinking. So I went back, and and he's, I said, oh, what's going on? Um, can I pray for you? Oh, you can do whatever you want. Not a real friendly response. And... Uh, so I just prayed for him. I didn't lay hands on him or anything. I said, hey, thanks for letting me pray for you. So walked away. I don't know what, if God did anything, but he had somebody that stopped and cared for him. And so even when we don't get to see, Robbie Dawkins says, even when we don't get to see what we want to see, we don't get to celebrate that, we can always celebrate the obedience that we stop to care for somebody. And so I hope that, that when I pray for somebody, they're just gonna, it's just going to ruin them. They're just going to be overwhelmed, like, how did this happen? And they're just going to want to surrender their life to Jesus. But even if they don't do that, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like my teacher. And everywhere Jesus went, what was he doing? He was loving people, he was serving people, he was healing people. So people say, well, Dave, I don't have the gift of healing. Dave, I don't have the gift of evangelism. So if Phil says, hey, Dave, uh, are we doing the dinner? We're not doing the dinner. Uh, Are we doing lunch afterwards? Okay. Let's say we're doing lunch. He says, hey, Dave, can you help us uh, set up tables and chairs? I go, Phil, that's not my spiritual gift. Uh, Helps, serving. That's not my spiritual gift. You would think I was an idiot, right? (laughs) But we do that with gifts like evangelism or healing. Oh, no, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'll let somebody else share Jesus. I don't don't have the gift of healing. I've prayed for people and they've died, you know. (laughs) Uh, So I'll let somebody else pray for them. But if Jesus lives in me, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, you think maybe he could give me any gift he wants to whenever he wants to give it to me? Amen. If I'm willing to set me aside where it's not about me, it's not about the results, it's about Jesus. See? It's all about exalting him. And so if even if nobody ever gets healed, they're probably going to feel loved and cared for. Man, somebody just out of the blue, just stop to care for me. There's a guy, another guy that I learned from. Uh, well, first one guy, first guy I heard, he prayed for about 100 people. Nothing, 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 nothing. And then one day he prayed for a lady and he was explaining to her why sometimes God doesn't heal everybody. And she gets up and says, I'm the guy. He prayed for maybe eight or 900 people. Just believe in standing on the word Nothing, 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 eight or nine hundred times. 
And now he's been around the world and God is just using him so powerfully because he believed the word, steps out, takes a risk to love people. You can do that. I'm talking to you, man. Yeah. Come on. So yesterday, uh, I had to take two buses to get to the airport. I get on the bus and there's a guy looked like he was kind of limping and I said, hey, what's going on? And he got pain. I got pain in my knees. And then he showed me his other leg and uh, it was like mangled, kind of all scarred up uh, from where he was hit by a car, I think. I says, well, can I just pray for you? So I prayed for him and I said, well, don't be nice to me. Just check it, see if there's any change. And he says, uh, no change. I said, well, can I pray again? He's like, no, once is enough. Okay. So I don't know if Jesus did anything or not. I uh, prayed for another guy who was, was with a cane, went to the back of the bus. I moved to the back of the bus and said, hey, what's going on? Oh, I've got pain in my hip and my knee. I prayed for him, and I think he only wanted me to pray one time also. I'm like, oh, man, because I like to just go until the pain is gone, you know, and I've seen God do it so many times, you know. Sometimes I have to pray 20 20 minutes or more, you know, just praying, 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 commanding, 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 taking authority. I just can't tell you how many times I do this in Iraq. So I pray for about three different people on the buses, get to the airport, I buy a little something, and ask the lady, you know, behind the counter, hey, how are you doing today? How's work? You know, you got any pain in your body, aches or pains? No, I'm doing pretty good, except for the manager's kind of talking low. I said, okay, well, Father, would you just uh, help give her grace, you know, dealing with her manager. Just a little a little seed. Jesus loves you, man. Have a great day. Um, I get on the plane. I fly home. I'm coming out of the airplane. There's a guy leaning up against the, the wall right as I come out of the plane. He's got a cane. He's kind of breathing heavy. I say, hey, what's going on? So my, my knee. I said, well, can I pray for you real quick? Oh, sure. So I prayed for him. And he said, there's no more pain. Boom. Like that. I said, well, try to walk. Oh, no, 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 I can't. I can't, man, if I fall. So he was afraid to believe, you know, what had happened, you know, because he says, it's really hard for me to get up. They're bringing my wheelchair right now. So I said, okay. He's, I think he was a believer. And I'm walking out to the shuttle. There's another guy really struggling. I said, hey, man, are you in pain? Oh, yeah. It was his back. So I start to pray for his back. And the pain reduced about 20%. I said, well, can I pray again? Okay. And his wife is like, she's like, they got people waiting for them, you know. And she wants to get, get, get going here. So I prayed again. I think it went down to about a six. And, um, and I prayed. It was, it was down to a five. And I finally said, you look like you're in a hurry. You guys need to go. She says, yeah, we got people waiting for us. Her husband's getting healed, but she's got to go because people are waiting for her. I was a bit irritated, so I had to forgive her uh, as I'm walking away. I said, Father, I've probably done that a lot of times where there's something really important going on, and I just had to do what I'm doing because I'm busy, you know. Uh, so I told him, I'm going to keep praying for you as I go. He's, and so he's a believer, too. He says, thank you, brother. And so I prayed for a shuttle driver and another shuttle driver. And so I just lived my life that way. And uh, I do the same thing in Iraq. And it's amazing. Almost everybody lets me pray for them. And I make it, I'm, I'm trying to learn Arabic, and I'm really bad at it. Okay? 
like I tried to say something to somebody in Arabic and, and more than once they go I know speak English I'm speaking Arabic man come on <laughs> you must have the gift of encouragement <laughs> so I tell people I don't know what I was smoking when I decided to try to learn Arabic at my age but pray for me I need a lot, a lot of grace so uh, let me just share one testimony. I went down to Karbala, which is like one of the Shia, um, one of their main, like, uh, they've got these two big, huge mosques, shrines to these people that had died. And you, you go inside, and there's a shrine where they're buried, and people throw money in and claws, and they're kissing the, the edge of the shrine and everything. And so I'm looking for people to pray for uh, in the mosque. And uh, so I'm asking Jesus for an opportunity to, to give people an encounter with Jesus in this mosque. And uh, I see this guy. I think he had a walker or something. I went down, and, and Jesus healed the pain in his knee. And I think I had to pray. I don't know how many times I prayed for him, but he didn't read. So I showed him a link to where he could get the Jesus film uh, in, his, in his language. And I went... And the guy sitting next to him, he was sitting in a chair because he couldn't kneel. He asked me if I could pray for him. So I start to pray for him, and I'm praying. I'm, I'm just several times again. He finally says, it's, it's getting better. So we go back behind, um, and we're sitting kind of in an aisle way. I continue to pray, and he would try to get down. It still hurts. I, I prayed for him maybe about 20 minutes, and finally he says, there's no pain guy's name was Ali. He's from Saudi Arabia. So I said, "Can I? have you ever read the Injil, the, the New Testament? Can I give you one as a gift? And he didn't want it. Jesus had touched him, but he's so, you know, connected, you know, with his religion that he didn't want it. But he had an encounter with Jesus. And so what do I do? I said, okay. So I pray for Ali. But when he goes back to Saudi Arabia, Jesus is going to appear to him in a dream going to let him know who it was that really you know, healed his knee. It's going to create a hunger and a thirst that's going to ruin him for religion. And he's just going to get saved and become a radical evangelist for Jesus. So God is good. And I was reading in Ephesians, you know, I was able to do much more than we can ask or imagine. And it's going to be him. It's not going to be me. <laughs> it's not going to be you. But what if you just said, Jesus, I want to be like you. So I listened to one pastor. He said he would walk into a store. He would go in the back purposefully to be walking through the, to the store just asking, Father, what are you doing here? What do you want to do? Just looking for opportunities. You know, to share a love of Jesus with somebody. R-I-S-K. And it's Jesus. It's all Jesus. So don't say, well, it's not my personality. It's okay if it's not your personality. I think Jesus' personality is, is like that, and he lives in you. So just set your personality aside and let Jesus live through you.
and start taking a risk, saying, Jesus, I'm scared to death, but I thank you that this fear is not mine. Your perfect love, you live in me. I command fear, leave me in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I want to love people wherever I go. It's going to be exciting to see what he does through all of you. So I prayed for Ellie. Are you doing any better or are you still the same? About the same. A bit better. Okay, so I want to pray for you again. I prayed for Linda. Linda, is your pain any, any, any better in your back or your shoulders? Pardon? Yes or no? Don't, don't be nice to me. That's better. Okay. I also prayed for her ears. Is the hearing any different? Or is a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to pray for Linda again. And I hope that if she's not healed today, when she comes back next week, one of you will be saying, Hey, Linda, we just want to keep pressing in for Jesus to open up your ears. The doctor told her it would never change. I break that curse in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I told her... <laughs> The doctor is not Jesus. Okay? So let's not make it about us. Let's not make it about what happens. Let's make it about Jesus and about loving people. Uh, before we close, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come right here, right now? We invite your presence to come. None of us can do anything without you, Jesus. I thank you that you went to the cross, you rose from the dead so that you could live in us. Mm. Thank you, Father, that you've adopted us into your family, that we live as sons and daughters, that you've given us the righteousness of Christ. Holy Spirit, come.
fever go in the name of Jesus. Well, what a what a blessing just to you know to hear the word of God and what Uncle David. Uncle, da- by the way, I didn't tell you something about Uncle David. Uncle David is in my list of crazy people. I consider him a crazy guy because I mean he he went to um, Africa. How many years were you in, in Africa? Thirteen. Thirteen years in Africa, and he finally said, "You know what? I'm gonna retire." And he retired in Iraq, so he could, you know, share the gospel to the Muslim. And 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 I'm like, "You guys, bro, you're crazy." But that is awesome. You know, that's what what God does to you. So I just, I mean, I just came here. Um, to, if I may use the word interpret, is that a way to say it? To make, to make an interpretation while our sister is talking, uh, she's praying right now. Um, because I know it's for some people, and you're like, oh, why is she saying? Well, she's, she's um, a big part of what she's saying is in Spanish. I happen to speak Spanish, in case you didn't know that. So, but just so you're, you know, I mean, we want, we want, we believe what the Bible says, but we want to be obedient to and make it in, in orderly, right? And we believe God can do whatever He wants because He's God, but we also believe that it's a way to do it, right? And she's just praising the Lord. She's saying, "God, we bless you. I praise you and I honor you." And what a beautiful words, you know, to come out of a, of a person, just that recognizing that, God, you are the center of everything, and I just want to bless your name, and you are worthy of everything, and I, and I bless your name, Jesus, and I honor you with my life, and I, and I want to live like this for you. So, I mean, just in case, because I know sometimes um, it is a little bit different for some people to hear, oh, well, what is this person saying, you know? And I think it's important to just make sure that it's, it's nothing weird or, or you, you following me <laughs> by the way this is the first time that I'm, that I'm doing this I'm gonna be like God what, what do I do with this how, how can I explain it but um, yeah just honoring God and just expressing the love of the Lord in, in her heart and that's a blessing that's a blessing so um, yeah I just want to say thank you Uncle David for sharing that I know for some of you it might sound a little bit crazy that's because he's crazy God made him crazy. But just, just think about this. Man, you are in a country where, where people don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, it makes sense that God is going to show himself in such a different way, maybe, than, than we used to. And, um, I mean, I know he could spend hours here just sharing a lot of stories about how people, you know, God took the pain away or whatever. And because of that, they were like, whoa, in the... Muslim, you know, religion, or, or, or they don't believe in that. So that's why for them it's like, whoa, who is this Jesus? So we just want to praise the Lord for what He's doing through you, brother. And I know you don't take the credit. That's why I'm not giving you the credit. It's just God. It's just God. And now let me tell you this. And I know Uncle David will agree with me. The main point here is not about that we go out and just start going like, ah, can I pray for you? I mean, you can. Go ahead. If, if God is leading you towards that. The main point here is, is Jesus. It's us being transformed by His Spirit. Right? That we live our lives that way. 
And if he leads you towards that direction, trust and go for it. Right? But, but it doesn't mean that if you're not doing it, that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that if you're not doing this, then you are like less Christian than someone else. It is, it's hard. I've done it too. The other day in an airplane, I prayed for the guy that was right there because he was sick. It is hard. It is hard. But like you said. It gets easier the more you do it. I, I, I can imagine that. But what I want to say is like, I don't know if this guy got healed. But the effect that, that I obey that part in me, it was like, woo. You know what I'm saying? Maybe God was teaching me something. I don't know. But just, just want to encourage the church. Let's keep pressing on Him. Let's allow Him to transform our hearts, our minds, and to live that way. Let's remember, I, I always love this part, Romans 12, first verse says, The way you live, that is your worship to the Lord. The way you live. I love you, church. Thank you, bro. Okay, if... Uh... If you are interested, I sent out an email update. I don't ask for money, but I need lots of prayer. So I often share testimonies. If you'd like to get on that, you can give me your email. If anybody needs prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you. God bless you. Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you, Brother David, and also Brother Lee. Um, just to, again, come I believe the words that Paul shared to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter... Let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And so Paul's whole theme of 1 Corinthians 14 is that understanding is more important than speaking. And that's a really important lesson for us to learn, right? Many times we speak things we don't understand anything about. And Paul warned us about teachers like that who speak of things they don't understand. Oswald Chambers said this quote that has really pierced my heart and often convicts me. Do not speak of anything unless you have first, anything about God, unless you have first experienced it. Or you will be speaking about something you know nothing about. Do not speak of anything about God unless you have first experienced it. And I like what you said, Brother David. It would be like a man going listening to an unconverted, unborn-again person trying to share with you what being born of the Spirit is like to go listen to a brother who has never seen anyone healed of anything, never seen or experienced the power of Christ. I think it's wonderful that the Lord put that on your heart today and we just got to witness the testimony of Christ's power and healing and redemption in Brother Duane's life. God heals 
in many numerous ways. And this was most certainly one of his healing, powerful ways that he chose to give Dwayne his new liver. These words also came to my mind in Luke chapter 7 as you were sharing about love. And I like how you confirmed to Brother Eli. This is about walking in the love of Jesus. In Luke 17, Jesus was at Simon's house. Simon was a leader in the synagogue. And he invites Jesus into his house for a meal. And I think Simon must have thought, I'm really doing pretty well here. Jesus is coming to my house. Wouldn't you feel, how would you feel if you invited Jesus and he actually came? This Jesus. And so he's serving Jesus this dinner. And as they're sitting there at the table, there's a woman comes in off the street. And she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. That's the Greek word. She's a prostitute. And you know, many times prostitutes are known by how they dress. You can kind of spot them out, those of you who know that. And Simon's thinking to himself, what is this woman doing in my house? She is a sinner. But she comes in and kneels at the feet of Jesus and she's crying. She's weeping. And she takes an alabaster vial of perfume Verse 37, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this ran, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him. That she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him. Simon didn't say anything. He was thinking that. And Jesus said something. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. And you gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven for she loved much, but he, he's speaking to Simon, but he who is forgiven little, 
loves them. Um, I'm going to give the mic to Brother Dave to close us. Um, also, just a quick announcement. There's some snacks and coffee and hot water for tea if you want to enjoy that as we fellowship together this afternoon. Before you go home, please help yourselves. Thanks, Brother Dave, for sharing that word this morning and encouragement. Uh, my, my mind this morning was kind of going to with what he was sharing the last couple of weeks. I've had the privilege a week ago at a, a conference, and there was a great, great speakers there. It, just, it was a tremendous blessing for me. And, uh, and then for a, a day ago, some of us men were at a prayer breakfast and all. And you see some of these people that have reached the top level in whatever they're in. And last weekend, there was a couple of them I got to meet, uh, like an NFL player, in the top of his game, some baseball players. In whatever industry that you're in, you maybe reach that ultimate level, so to speak, in a physical sense. But some of these uh, these uh, uh, event that I've been to is they all say, and then for like uh, the prayer breakfast where we were at is, is the Navy SEAL. You reach the ultimate level and you just think this is, you've reached the top. But you realize is when you reach that top, a lot of times there's a void there. And in both of these events that I attended is, it's all about Jesus. Um, anyway, and then Dave very, very clearly brought that out this morning is we in, we try to do things of ourselves, whatever it is, it may be whatever industry you're in, um, it can be in sports, your, the workplace, you name it. If Jesus is not in it, there's going to be that void there. And um, anyway, I just thank you so much, Dave, for bringing the word and sharing your testimony, what the Lord's doing in your life and across the world. And like I said, it can be on the sidewalk, it can be at Walmart, Kmart, wherever. And so anyway, um, thanks for everyone for coming. And um, I guess without any further ado, uh, why don't we all share? Thank you. Yeah, kind of along with that, uh, the heart of a warrior. Now, that's something the Lord has really been putting on my heart, I guess, is to be, um, it's kind of some of these uh, conferences and whatever events I've attended. So, so many times we as humans want to think, why, well, if I could just be like Kim, you know, you think you want to make this big difference. But is, uh, for me, uh, 
to change, to be the change that I want the change to be and to be make a difference in Greeley, Colorado. It might not be in Iraq. It might not be Paraguay. It might not be wherever on a global scale. But God is calling me to be that light, Greeley, Colorado, wherever you're from. So anyway, let's stand and uh, those you can and we'll ask the, the benediction. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son Jesus that's willing to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, that we can have that power and authority in your name. And Lord, I just pray that we could be that light, that testimony, being an example uh, and to be uh, in encouragement uh, wherever they're at. If it's in Walmart, if it's on the sidewalk, wherever, Father. I just pray in the name of Jesus, you be over each and every one that's here. I just pray that um, you bless our week. And Lord, just give us the, uh, the strength and the courage uh, in this coming days for this week. Lord, it's, it's in your holy name that we ask all these things. Amen. We're dismissed.